Good evening, you're listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I am your host for this week, Liana Hafer, joined by our good friend, freelance writer John Bolding. Howdy, y'all. And by 3MA's designated one responsible adult in the room, Mike Gillis. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about uh, Slipways from uh, Beetlewing. It's an indie uh, space... It's kind of hard to describe. I don't know, John. How would you, how would you describe Slipways to somebody who's never seen it before? Uh, it's an indie space line connector. You connect line, yeah. like you take take one thing <laughs> and you make a line that connects it to another thing. That's it. That's what the game is. Pretty it's, much. But beneath that, beneath that very simple concept, it is a logistics game, and not not. Like, mm, it's a it's an economic strategy game, almost in the vein of like a board game where it has mm-hmm. pretty simple rules where any given planet, you pay some money and you colonize it and it takes an amount of time and you have a limited amount of time before the game is over, which is effectively like turns in in months. Mm-hmm. Right. And then. The planet needs some stuff and it produces some stuff. And so you just. You're like, okay, so you're going to you're going to make a net. So you've got an Earth-like world and it needs food. Okay, so you you colonize a world that produces food and it needs robots to produce food. So you go to a third world that's going to need people to produce robots. And you're like, oh, okay, perfect. So you make a little triangle and then you sort of fractally spiral out that empire into the galaxy as efficiently and powerfully as possible. It's fundamentally a score chasing game about getting the best highest score you can and then that layers on all these complications on top of that like different powers and technologies that you can research and purchase to do different things oh you can make your little lines between planets longer you can make repeaters that split a line from one planet to another to instead go to two different planets you can build orbital habitat things so that you don't have to worry about finding habitable worlds so that you can exploit mineral resources or what have you it it does so much different stuff all at once, but it is fundamentally like a, a collection and matching game where you try and find the pattern that works best. But then from that concept, it really spirals out into some pretty inspired design spaces. Yeah, we've been talking about this game for a long time. We've actually been trying to get this episode recorded for like I don't know, a month and a half, two months or something like that. <laughs> Altogether uh, too long. Yeah. So like, Mike, what is it that, that like kind of maybe captured your imagination about this game and, and led you to keep pushing for, oh, we really should do a show on this? Well, I, I think it's I think it's just such a a really fantastic example of what um, what kind of brilliant designs you can get if you if somebody is able to start stripping things away from what is is considered the conventions of a genre right because it's almost like i was thinking about this earlier it's it's almost like if you squint it's a four x but you don't do like two and a half of the x's and everything <laughs> is abstracted away i'll take a four x uh actually just you know what you know what, cut that yeah. you know what uh let's skip the last two x's yeah. Just yeah. give me an x and a half x and three quarters <laughs> maybe yeah and it turns out that's all you yeah. need and and uh I, I think that that the um, so uh, Slipways was originally a Pico Eight game, and for anybody who doesn't know what Pico Eight is, it's um it's like a it's a 
I think it's described sometimes as a fantasy machine um, because it's it's a um, it's a virtual machine that um, at like architecture uh, console type thing that that never actually existed, um, but it is specifically designed to um, constrain game designers and developers to um, work in a very small space. Um, one of the most common things that you hear and, and read when you're looking at um, what what good designers and developers recommend people starting out do is just cut down, cut down, cut down, try to make something that is as small as you can, that's still a game, that's still something you can be happy with. So there's a bunch of really interesting um, Pico 8 stuff out there that you can find on itch and stuff like that. Uh, Celeste was, um, was Pico eight. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just this really interesting, um, kind of set of constraints that you're working with. Cause it's like simple palette, um, simple inputs. Um, if you, if you put music in there, that has to be pretty simple also. And, um, you're just dealing with a very small resolution. So it kind of just squishes everything down and forces you to um, just look at in the same way that that board game designers are are constrained to only things that actually humans can do. Um, and, and I think that's a good sort of productive constraint. Um, Pico 8 produces things like this, too. So um, I fired it up um, the original sl slipways a few days ago, and um, it's shockingly similar um this is just like the core of the game concept and it's been you know made nicer and it's got quality of life and actual graphics now and things like that but um yeah i i think it's a really fantastic example of of what happens if you just get to what is the core of the game that you're trying to make and uh and pull it off yeah i think the, the word i was kind of looking for earlier was was puzzle it does feel like it's it is kind of a puzzle game at heart to me. Yeah. Um, but the two things I found really fascinating about it, um, first of all, is John kind of brought this up, but the fact that it's it's built on like a very, very strict set of rules, at least initially, where like you're you you can only draw connections of a certain length. They can only be A to B. Uh, they can't overlap each other. And then progressively, as you work your way down the tech tree, it's all about breaking those rules completely <laughs> even up to the point that you can like move planets around and make them like switch places and turn planets into other types of planets and stuff like that um which yeah. i thought was a really cool progression mechanism because you feel kind of strangled in what you can do at the beginning and then you get more and more and more freedom to kind of just build the empire you want um as as you get more text unlocked and then Tied directly into that is, is this concept that I was calling cascading success, um, where a lot of times, especially my first few runs, I felt like I was just riding the line between, you know, survival and failure constantly. But then you'll get like one piece will kick will click into place that'll let you be like, oh, now I can connect this to this to this to this to this to this. And suddenly you have like this really cool, you know, network of uh very successful, very prosperous planets just because you found that one link in the chain that you needed to make it all work, uh, which were kind of my favorite moments playing this. Yeah, I agree. I think some of my, my favorite, absolute favorite moments were the ones where you realized that, oh, 
this planet's producing, you know, one extra water. What what am I going to do with that water? And then you mm-hmm. s- you scout out some nearby planets, and you're like, oh, if this planet gets a single water, it can start making, you know, goop biomass or whatever. Oh, and then if I chain that biomass to the next world, it'll start making food, and oh, I can chain that, send that food back to a previously colonized world, and so suddenly you've got a a web come out of nowhere that you sort of get to micro optimize and sort of chip away at like oh okay uh this has everything it needs it just needs some microchips like where can i get microchips right right and you start to sort of just make these these tiny little ultra optimized networks and chunks of of galaxy and then you get to go and look for something new yeah i i think that um that there it there seemed to me like this really interesting um sort of pattern that emerges over time where um and I, I think this is this is a sign of of another sign of a really interesting um strategy games or, or things that that attempt to sort of model uh something akin to um I don't know. And, and the real world isn't, isn't quite exactly right. But, um, but there's a sort of like little economy sort of idea in, in, in the design of the game. And um, I noticed that over time uh, you would end up with an area where every planet is doing fantastically. And this is sort of the core of your empire and they're all mm-hmm. on the prosperous level and et cetera. And then you're, those planets are usually have their needs very well taken care of. And then sort of around the perimeter, um, you, I, I end up sort of floating around looking for like, okay, who's unhappy, who doesn't have what they need. And then expanding the empire sort of in that direction. And you get this sort of, um, this sort of terrible (laughs) blobbing (laughs) of, of late capitalism kind of thing where it's like, okay, I, I, I had like maybe a good intention where I was like, I'm going to make this one world a little happier by finding someplace where they can get water shipped in from, but I can't get it shipped from the core of the empire because that's all getting used. So I have to extend the periphery outwards into, into crap. And now like my core is expanding and it it seems like a really interesting uh, microcosm of how, that kind of effect happens in reality, even though the mechanics that you're playing with here are just incredibly simple, but it's, there's just enough um, optionality to how you can link things up and where you're searching for um, the next resource and things like that, that it, it feels kind of pretty organic to me. Yeah. They're simple, but they feel like they're, they're sort of the, the distillation, like the, unity of command one very simple straightforward mechanics uh at the tier of a board game right though it it does do interesting things with what it can do as a video game there's all kinds of things in this that would never work in a board game but much like uh sort of xcom 2012 it works on paper and then you can sort of scale up complexities that are strange and fascinating based on uh, the capabilities of a computer, right? Yeah. Well, the other thing that 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 made it feel kind of board game like to me was that there is a time limit technically, but it's it's based on you taking actions for the clock to actually tick. So once you do have a huge empire, you can just kind of like scroll around 
and and just kind of be chill and think about okay should i expand in this direction should i expand in that direction should i try to like shore up because like the what i found to be more limiting than the time limit is actually the like the happiness meter which is kind of the failure state is basically if your people get too unhappy you get kicked out of your job as a space governor or whatever uh so you know as you're expanding you have to keep your planet's above a certain level of uh, approval or something like that to, uh, um, or, you know, or you, your game will just end. Um, but you really can kind of take your time to figure out, okay, where do I want to expand next? I can scroll around and look at all the different possibilities of like, okay, thinking, thinking a few moves ahead in chess, if I did this, this, and this versus if I did this, this, and this, what's going to result in the, uh, the most positive outcome. Um, so I think it's a good, it's a good like game if you want, if you want something that's going to challenge you a little bit mentally, but you're also like not wanting to deal with the stress of like a, a war in, you know, a paradox game or like a big, you know, 4X or something. I think it's, it's great for that. Um, Cause there's lots of interesting decisions to make, but they're, they're the pressure moment to moment is is not really that high you you can really you can really think it through yeah and one thing we didn't we didn't mention at the top is that the default game mode which is i think 25 years of game time um mm -hmm. is is something you can play through in like an hour um i think i probably take more than an hour i uh but uh, you know maybe maybe on average it's it's something like that or an hour i'd and probably half. take less than an hour because i'm just clicking shit <laughs> yeah it depends on how much you know what you're doing my first couple of games definitely took longer than that well my first couple of games i got voted out within like the first five to ten years but uh yeah then i it, the the weird thing is it doesn't tell you all of these ways that it's gonna let you break the rules later which creates this really interesting like where I'm, I'm thinking in a certain way and I'm like, all right, I kind of get this now. I kind of get what we're doing. I'm going to be really careful and I'm going to send a probe out to this area and hope that I find what I need. And then I'll unlock this technology that it's like, nope, we're just going to rip everything out and uh, new rules. Uh, yeah, we can beam, we can we can shoot slipways through, you know, gateways now and uh, uh, make planets switch places using quantum bullshit. And uh now we're 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 building an entirely new world here. It's almost like uh, when you uh, when you unlock better roads in in like cities, skylines, or Sim City, and you decide you're just going to bulldoze everything and remake your city with <laughs> better infrastructure <laughs> in some ways. Best intentions. Oh yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I. I think. I think that unfolding of of um sort of power in the game is is really is really great i mean mm -hmm. the the first time uh, or i guess the first few times i played it because i didn't get all the way to those texts uh right away but mm -hmm. um the I, I think it's really great that sort of subtly in the background every time your empire size grows to a new tier um the music intensifies a little bit more and and gets mm -hmm. more instruments and and things like that and at the same time as that's going on you're unlocking these new technologies and and like you were saying before, right, you feel so constrained at the beginning with like, OK, well, geez, every every month has to count. I don't have a lot of money. Where am I going to put this probe? Whatever. And then you get to the point where you can swap planets 
and it feels like you are suddenly like you've just taken the spice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I just think that's really fun. That's that's a really good feeling. It is. It absolutely is. And I like that it's very build based. Like you, you. So you've got this. There are five species in the game. Each species has its own suite of technologies available to it that sort of get scrambled up to a certain degree and put into this big your tech tree. And then in and of itself, each species has a couple perks you can choose from. So each run, you pick three species to form your council, and then you pick two of those six perks. And you've got all this technology out there. And so you can sort of mix and match and decide how you want to build. So you can be like, okay, this game, I'm really like, I hated not having enough money last time. So I'm going to go for these traders who are really great at money. And I'm going to try and parlay that money into this other race that can build all these cool structures, but they're really expensive. So I'm going to try and see if I can make that work. And then you hit the random seed button a couple times and you're off to the races. And it's really satisfying for a bite-sized experience. It takes like an hour. Yeah. Uh, and some of them have like crazy, pretty crazy in-game stuff too. I think one of the, the, the races you can eventually basically like transcend your entire population and like turn turn everyone into like higher yeah. beings or something yeah like so that. like one of the major things uh, that that lynn was talking about earlier is like yeah there's a there's a happiness meter and one of the biggest sources of unhappiness is the two biggest are probably unemployment and resource shortages so like if a planet mm -hmm. isn't getting something it needs people will get unhappy and then unemployment so if you have the little human ticks the like critters the, the living people pops or what have you if they're not doing something, you can get booted from your job for that, which makes a certain amount of sense, right? Uh, but the cool air quotes thing about it is that it it really gives you impetus not to expand meaninglessly, right? Mm -hmm. Because like if you there's a there's a penalty too where it can tell if you're just giving people bullshit jobs like if you're just sending them off to a random remote planet to like yeah mine mine that ore guys we really need you to mine that ore <laughs> but you never do anything with it you get just a penalty for that pile. eventually but, yeah but one of the cool things is like yeah one of one of the species has the like ridiculous uh send send people through ascension gates into the next reality if they become bored of their existence upon this plane, right? Yeah. And that's a way to get rid of your population unhappiness or your excess population, which is really hilarious and really satisfying. Yeah, and and, and there's other other texts that uh, let you replace people. Well, uh, not care whether you're using people or robots for things. Uh -huh. um, yeah, and vice versa, <laughs> right? There's and, a, there's yeah, like a yeah. there's an artificial intelligence that makes robots use work as people. And then there's like a cybernetics that makes people work as robots. And that's like a really great little duology. Those, those sort of flexible things. Um, yeah. I really yeah, love it, how many little levers there are to tweak and how many powers you might get access to and trying to time when in the game playthrough you're going to get. I'm, I'm terrible at this part of the game, but I'm sure there are people who are good at it. <laughs> but being like, oh, I need to make sure I'm getting enough research income so that I can get this cool tech that I want at the right early enough to really build my run around it um i don't know if you guys i don't know if you have i'm the, so terrible i'm so terrible at research okay i'm not sure if you had the same oh, yeah. experience as me with the tech system where you were like i'm sure this is really important but i'm just never gonna yeah. be good at it 
I'm just having so much fun drawing lines to things that of I just course. don't even think to like, oh yeah, I should, I should probably think about, I, I finally got to the point recently of, of trying to think ahead enough to go, okay, well I could probably get a bunch of water over here. So I should maybe have a, a, uh, an actual populated colony around this area. So that would be a great place for a, a research station and that kind of thing. But most of the time I'm just having such a good time and it's such a breeze, like the way that the, um, the interface, uh, one of, one of the most, uh, interesting things I realized, um, even like from the beginning, but all the way through to now trying to think these things through of like how, could I um, make a good spot here for a research lab or something like that is I realize that it's, it's a really great uh, design for just kind of like having a drink of something and leaning back and just kind of mm -hmm. staring at your monitor and thinking because everything is on the screen. You don't have to go to any tabs. You don't have to like figure out what's going on on planet X it's just there and everything is, is visual. Maybe if you have a big empire, you have to scroll around, whatever. But, um, but the fact that everything is made visible without having to dig into anything, it's, it's very, um, it's just pleasant, I guess. So I gotta say, not just, it's not just that everything's made visible. It is also that there is a fantastic undo button. So if you <laughs> yes. really fuck up, yes. you yes. can just undo it. You can, and, and this is great because like, you can't always like, there's no weird measuring where you have to figure out the exact distance from one planet to another every time and be like, oh shit, I screwed up. They won't reach. You can just play that whole series out and be like, oh, okay, it can't reach. And then you can just undo all of it, right? You can just test it. And the only stuff you can't undo are things with a random outcome of some kind. Right. Yeah. And also there's the, um, I, this sounds really minor, but like one of the only uh, kind of tools that they they add to the basic experience of just sort of clicking and dragging to connect places is um, that before you go uh, and connect a bunch of things, you can actually, I think it's right click and you can sort of pin like I would, I think I want to do this over here. And you can kind of do that over a bunch of, of uh, planets and have a little kind of plan for yourself before you actually spend the money. And that, that at mm -hmm. least for me anyway, sucked me into long periods of of scrolling around and just kind of i guess theory crafting slipways <laughs> <laughs> yeah no when you're talking about tech i was actually going to say earlier uh when i lost my train of thought that that that's like my number one tip anybody that's playing this game for the first time is like don't forget about tech um because it's like the one thing that you're not going to ever find a tech planet you have to like place these tech stations in space and then feed resources into them. And I found that the quicker you get that going, like the more likely it is I'm going to survive to the end of my term. Um, because again, it's, it's all about unlocking new ways to break the rules so that you can build a more efficient network. Um, and that was, that was really the problem I kept running into my first like two or three times is I just forgot about tech. I hit a point where I had this big sprawling kind of nonsense empire and there wasn't really anything i could do to fix it and if i had realized oh i just need to go a little bit further down the tech tree and then i would have been able to connect this to this or i would have been able to use this resource as that resource um it kind of slowly introduces you to concepts like um what, what is it that they call trade goods 
the the thing that just makes planets happier when you it's have just, I think it's just goods. Yeah. Goods, yeah, and it's then like power a box. power later on. And right, yeah. Like, and unlock later. a bunch of different things you can do with power too. Yeah, you can generate um, the energy resource in various ways, yeah. which is sort of a wild card. It can just stand yeah. in exactly. for anything. Yeah, it's really interesting how they how they start just sort of again i guess it's like the text right they just sort of uh, mm-hmm. throw little things in there to to not it doesn't necessarily complicate the system but it, it gives you more angles to uh think about what you what you could do with with what you've got um so one thing that we didn't mention yet and i have only poked into very briefly is that there's actually a campaign mode <laughs> Yeah, I, I booted this up for like a day. I haven't really gotten that far into it yet. I played five or six missions of it, and I actually found it okay. really quite charming because it uh, it does a good thing. It, it introduces weird, weird, twisted mechanics for you to screw with, right? They'll add new resources, and you'll need X amount of that resource. Rather than uh, trying to chase a high score, it'll be like, no, you have 20 years to gather this amount of this resource income or what have you on various planets or be delivering that to you know deliver the special resource to five resource laboratories and so you have to really get out there and explore and find the planets with the special resource um and then actually the the cool thing that i liked is that those alternate modes that get then get unlocked as modes you can do a run-in in the basic game oh that's cool i didn't realize that yeah, me neither. I I checked out the campaign a little bit, and I I poked around, and I've just realized that really quickly. I just I just really enjoy the default game mode so much that I couldn't. Yeah, why? Oh, like, yeah. why would you stop playing? I think it actually speaks a lot to this game that I would be perfectly happy to play, pay the price of admission, jump in, and have this as a game I can play and literally never touch. As far as I can tell, like 80% of the game, there are like weekly challenges to play and score against other people. There are alternate methods. There are mutator modifiers on the base game. But like, I'm just really happy clicking the random button a few times, starting a game up and playing it for an hour. And I think I've done that at least once a week for the past two months. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and when the uh the mutator stuff unlocked for me in the uh so um when you're when you're setting up the default game mode, uh you actually get a map of the galaxy and it doesn't really matter actually where your thing is, but it shows you a location of okay, you're going to be over here and um here are if if you've unlocked some of the mutators, then it that um those mutators can show up on that screen and you can um you can see what kind of um you know different situation you're going to get maybe this one has less of this and more of that or or the planets are going to be in a um slightly less um convenient uh organization um for you or or things like that um and uh but as soon as i unlocked those i tried them a couple of times that it was again the same thing i was like well you know what i I don't actually i don't actually need this other thing because i I feel like there's so much more i can still mine out of just playing the the base game and it's still it's already and consistently interesting enough that that i don't really care about the mutator stuff but i think it's great that it's there same with the um the campaign i mean it does seem like the kind of thing you could play for a very long time. 
Did you have a, a mutator or a campaign objective, either of you, that thought you thought was really interesting or added a added a, a an enjoyable twist? I like the ones where it changes the scoring conditions, right? Because you get higher and higher score, the bigger of an empire you can build, mm-hmm. right? The more planets you have. I really like the ones that were like, no, for this game, your score is actually going to be based on how many technologies you manage to research. Or, oh, for this game, your score is going to be based on only the planets. You're going to get a huge amount of score for only the planets that are at the maximum level of happiness, right? And so you start to really make these ridiculously convoluted networks in order to satisfy the precise needs of certain worlds to get them to the highest level. Or you're like, oh, okay, the only thing we care about is research. Let's get researching. <laughs> Did either of you two um, uh, try out the endless mode or, or, or think anything about that? I, I, haven't, I haven't tried it yet, no. I never even opened it, yeah. <laughs> uh so it is a little bit different difficulty wise i think it's i don't remember off the top of my head i I think it's a little easier um but uh i'm a broken record now i'm just gonna say the same thing again i poked into it i think it's interesting (laughs) that it's there and and i i there was something about i like i like the fact that you've got this 25 year like capsule game that ends that has like a uh regular flow that you can get into and get familiar with and that's that's so comfy that i was like yeah i don't know endless is interesting but i don't need it i'm i like my my uh standard mode thing i but it's there's it's good to mention i think because it it does like it's a complete package of a game it's not just a pico 8 game that's copy pasted it's it's got a lot of little things I would like to try endless mode. It like the the idea of not having a time limit does kind of intrigue me. Like just see how big I can build before. I don't know. I guess I get bored of it or I don't I know. I think the the happiness mechanic is still there. So you could still right. mess up. Yeah, yeah. Um it seems like it yeah, I guess that that could be a thing. It seems like happiness becomes less of a problem the further I get along in a campaign usually. Um I feel like uh, it's the kind of thing where eventually you build yourself enough accidental blind alleys that you'll just get that like, oh, there's 1% happiness here and there's absolutely no way I can ever get that to go away or what have you. Yeah, yeah. If you do that enough times, I can see that. Well, I, that you know, now that I say that, but now I'm like, well, you yeah, have unlocked the teleporter module fast enough <laughs> right. and started building <laughs> teleporters, right? Yeah. Like, I, I love the theory crafting. It's the kind of casual theory crafting that I think a lot of people get out of like clicker games sometimes where it's not too taxing it's fun to think about and it's a relaxing game i think if you were looking for like really hardcore economic strategy this isn't what you're looking for Maybe? i don't know though i i Except think like i've i've been playing you... on on challenging okay and i feel like I feel like it's a perfect descriptor of what it is. <laughs> okay. I th- yeah, I think you can have lots of fun with this as a casual game. I think you can definitely play it, treat it as a hor- hardcore game as well. Um, I'd yeah, say- I, I I lose yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm curious about uh, what if you guys, if there's anything you think of as as being bloat, right? Like what what in this game feels unnecessary? Sometimes the tech system felt like, an unnecessary complication like it was much more interesting to try and satisfy the needs of planets than to effectively find a way to redistribute excess resources in such a way 
and in such concentrations that I could research them in a tech lab. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's it's the thing that has the most friction around it. Um, and I think that's why it's easy to forget about, too, when you're just kind of in the groove. And it's like, why why introduce this other thing where I have to drop this in here and and figure out where that goes? And usually I'd end up with just kind of like really crap research stations, but I mm -hmm. just kind of shrug and move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like uh, it's it's it feels like an addition on on just a core system that works on the other hand like maybe maybe you have to have one source of like friction in there to make make it actually gel together maybe that's that's like a healthy friction i don't know but it would be interesting to if there was a mutator that turned tech off i was gonna say uh, that would be a challenge i would be very interested in trying out is just see how big you can build with no technology upgrades um i feel like you would you hit dead ends pretty quick when you try to play that way like you'll just hit you'll you'll hit within like the first 30 minutes or so i feel like a point where it's like yeah there's I don't have the resources I need and there's no way for me to get them. So I guess this is the, the end. Um, but yeah, it would be an interesting challenge for sure. Um, it's yeah, it, I, I don't think that for the most part, I felt like the um, council races were like super, super meaningful, at least in the early game. I feel like I oh, kind really? of would would forget that those bonuses existed. Until oh, I felt then. like I, I defined my play style around oh, whatever really? council race perks I was picking. Yeah, I would always try and sort okay. of synergize it like I would I would. Maybe that's pick. why I'm bad at this game. <laughs> well, this might be why I'm bad yeah. at this game. I'm not sure which. Yeah. It might be why uh, we're both yeah. bad at this game. Anyways, I, I mean, I liked doing stuff like, okay, I'll pick this one that this council race is going to get free tech points every four planets I research. And then this one is going to give mm -hmm. us or four planets I discover, and then this one's going to give me money for every planet I discover so that I've got a basic constant free stream of probes, and then sending my free probes is going to generate tech points. What about you, Mike? Did you did you have a, a council race that you really liked, or were you not, not as hot on him? No, I, I think the... I, I don't... Mm, I don't think I have a a favorite one maybe the the big burly minor guys i yeah i don't remember yeah. all their perks but i think they have some pretty good ones and uh i i ended up having them probably on board almost every time but um yeah i think i think some of the perks are super strong the thing that that i i guess uh in the same way that that research kind of feels glued on a bit um so do the um the tasks that the the council yeah. assigns you yeah like, yeah absolutely <laughs> i ignored those most of the time honestly yeah like they they were things where they would pop up and i would just kind of squint at them and go like i'll probably accidentally do this one yeah. and this one <laughs> <laughs> yeah so exactly. exactly i i hope these are good choices um and then i kind of didn't care man that's I, like, I mean, the thing is that's like uh, me doing my finances every month god i hope these are good choices <laughs> um they do come into play when there are these uh like remnants of technology that are floating around the map and if you have a spare pop you can 
uh, link up with one of these remnant things. And then you have a bunch of decision options that are unlocked if you complete one of the tasks assigned to you by the council earlier. Um, and those can be good. Like those can be things that um, uh, now this remnant has turned into a place that generates uh, two goods, which is huge uh, if it's in the right location um, and, and things like that. So I did like that loop. I just wished that the tasks were less, I don't know. It's, it, it feels like the slipways equivalent of like, go kill 10 wolves. It is. It's very yeah. go 10, kill 10 wolves. And it can like, it can sincerely matter too, right? Because it unlocks those forebearer ruins, I think is what they're called station yeah. options based on what you get. Uh, I totally agree with you on that. Yeah, there's there's sort of um there's sort of an interesting storytelling um layer going on on top of all of this with uh, the council races and and some of the later texts you can unlock. I'm curious actually if you play through the whole campaign if they elaborate on this anymore with like the precursors and all that stuff. Yeah, um, I think the the campaign does delve into the sort of bits of interstellar lore like if that's what drives you if you're like oh i don't really need an abstract empire building game i think that there's <laughs> enough going on with the the sort of campaign that's gonna gonna get you there right but even in like free play there yeah like the ray the, the council races all kind of have a personality um the text that they introduce you know i mentioned the ascension gate one will it, it sort of creates these very interesting stories that are not like sort of explicitly spelled out for you so much about what is actually going on in your empire. Uh, that's kind of interesting. Like the, the cyborg stuff is another example of that. Um, it's, it is kind of an, an interesting way to, to deliver an implied story through game mechanics. And I felt like that worked really well. It didn't necessarily come together for me when they try to put a more, direct story in front of your face with you know text boxes or whatever um but uh yeah telling telling a story through the game mechanics themselves is something i'm generally a fan of yeah i, I think it it uh it's another thing that that to me feels like a, a kind of retro feel to it. it it's like there's not nobody really needs to know the story but it's there if you mm -hmm. want it if you want to read into do you want to read the, and... the four paragraphs in the manual <laughs> yeah exactly oh yeah yeah um did you have any like we, we talked about stuff that that maybe we could have lived without did either of you have anything that was like a wish list like oh man i really wish i could do this or i wish it had uh some additional uh layer of complexity in any specific way yeah i sort of i sort of wanted some sort of active presence on the map of some kind, even if it's just like, uh, you know, a little fleet that I can zip around, zip along the flip slipways between planets that acts as like a temporary stopgap supply measure of some kind. Something like that I thought would have been really interesting and help you sort of shore up some of the weak points where the RNG rubs up against the mechanics and you're like, well, you know, like I need water to develop all these planets and there just isn't any water over here. So I guess I'm going to have to go every direction but this one for this entire game right those sorts of uh funny spots i think it would be nice to have something that's that sort of more represents you personally and your influence specifically on mm -hmm. the empire you're building 
I don't think I would like that. I feel like I, there's something I really get a kick out of for, uh, from the, the, the ridiculous power of the text that you get in, in the late game, for example, and the, the thing that you're doing is also kind of nuts. So it, it feels sort of like, you know, all of, all of these grand strategy or Forex games that, that sort of give you the power of some sort of transcendent godlike being in this game, because there's so little of it and it's so abstract and you're so sort of removed from everything it feels like it's just putting you in that place. And then by the time you are clicking two planets to swap them, you know, who are you at that point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I was kind of fascinated, not necessarily that I would want this to change. And maybe it does in the campaign if you play far enough. I was kind of fascinated by the lack of any kind of um, like conflict. Like you never have to build like a shipyard or like have like, oh, I need to send people here to turn them into soldiers and send soldiers to, you know, uh, maybe fight off, you know, aliens or something like that. So maybe, yeah. maybe a mutator like that would be interesting to mess I, with. I, I would, um, I would caution against that idea, frankly, yeah. simply because I think part of the richness of this game is that it is a nonviolent 4X, which is so rare. I agree. I agree actually with you on that, which is why I'm kind of split on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's really uh, fantastic that it's just it's just purely about uh, the the X and a half that I like. <laughs> yeah, my favorite yeah. X and a half. <laughs> exactly. It's they took the best the best X and a half. Yeah. No, I I I, I totally don't want to make it like oh every strategy game should have combat. I think we need more strategy games that don't involve combat. Actually, um, so. Yeah, it, it was interesting to me that in this big galaxy you're exploring, um, that never really comes up. Um, it's it's about making your people happy more than anything. I think it's because no uh, one wants to fight the creepy bug cyborgs. Could be. <laughs> They're like green, and sometimes when you colonize a planet, they'll be like, one more step upon the path to galactic domination. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't... Yeah. not sure. So. Are we the baddies? <laughs> What is this a council of exactly? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe more, um, more upfront information about the ways that eventually you'll get to break the rules. But that was kind of cool to figure out on my own too. It's just the first couple times I played this game, I bounced off of it, and it's because I didn't realize what it was going to open up to be eventually. It just felt like deep space starvation simulator <laughs> yeah i totally agree um, with you on that it, it is sort yeah. of a rough first few dozen hours not dozen actually yeah, first few was, hours yeah um i would have liked to have known that oh yeah eventually you're gonna be able to kind of break the rules and it's not gonna be just shooting probes off into the edge of your vision and hoping that you find some water or something um so uh yeah stick with it if if you if you didn't quite click with it the first time because i definitely didn't um and there there's uh it, it definitely turns into a different game the more technologies you unlock than it is at the beginning and you know when you when you get to things like you know energy and uh and uh getting planets up to higher levels of development terraforming um, worlds is super right. cool mm -hmm. that stuff and like um 
also you know like transforming the world types from one thing to another or building the yeah. mm-hmm. like i i always find the part of the game where i almost always play with the one of the uh council races that gives you the slip relays which are just like a repeater station those are really right? good that you those can, are really really good yeah, yeah and then for some of them you can upgrade them so that they split into two directions right mm-hmm. um so you can have like a single connection coming from one world to supply two other worlds. And I really love the part of the game where I would unlock those slip relays. And then I would go back across my entire empire and find XX resources that I couldn't previously, you know, bounce at an oblique angle to get them to another world. Because otherwise you have to build them. And I mean, we're, we're saying like this is a game about drawing lines. They're literally straight lines. And if there's something in the way, you can't transport goods between those two worlds and then suddenly you have the ability to bounce things at like a 90 degree angle a 30 degree angle a 120 degree angle like all kinds of crazy directions around other worlds to get them to where you need them to be like i loved that secondary wave of optimization that was like my highlight of every game i played was this moment where i was like and now i get to reuse everything i wasn't using before i get to redirect supplies to be in a better spot it's really satisfying oh, yeah, a... one of, oh yeah i was gonna say one of them you actually eventually can cross the streams if you get a certain tech too so. yeah yeah and uh that certain tech can hook up to slip relays if anybody didn't realize that and that's uh-huh. very fun yeah totally fun. <laughs> yeah um yeah i guess it like the that initial frustration i felt was was a lot of it was feeling like I was stuck with the bad decisions I had made early on and, and, and you're not necessarily uh, stuck with, with those uh, because there you'll, you'll open up new ways to, to uh, make bad decisions. Yeah, exactly. To make new <laughs> bad decisions that are further away. So you don't have to think about them as much. The people in the core worlds are doing great now. Um, so, you know, that's what, that's what matters. Those are the electoral votes that we need. And you're off and away um, making specific <laughs> new bad decisions involving yeah. having transposed the position of two planets and realizing that maybe that yeah. wasn't such a great plan after all. Out on the frontier, it's like, you know what? They knew the risks. They knew that this wasn't going to be, you know, a luxury, uh, penthouse apartment. Uh, you know, they can deal with it for a little while. We'll get, we'll get around to that. We'll get around to helping you. They technically signed up for this. Yeah. Um Mike, would you recommend this game and who do you think it's for? I would recommend this game and I think that it's probably one of the rare uh games to appear on this podcast that probably is fun potentially fun for almost anybody. Um I think I think the entry level is is uh the entry bar is probably pretty low. Uh you're not having to juggle a whole bunch of different things it's just uh get the resources from one place to another i think if if you're if you like um a lot of maybe german style board games for example um i think there's a lot of of commonality here also so Mm -hmm. i think i think everybody should just give it a whirl john do you recommend slipways and who would you recommend it to in particular I would. I'd recommend it to anyone who's interested in sort of a puzzle-like strategy experience of any kind, an optimization-based game, uh, an economic one. And especially like if, if you live in that niche between complex puzzle game and score-chasing strategy game, 
or optimization driven strategy game i think this is definitely a game for you but that said i absolutely i recommend it for basically anyone who's interested enough in strategy games to listen to a strategy game podcast as long as not, <laughs> you're not a pure war gamer i think you're going to find something interesting here uh and you should at least take a look at it watch some gameplay and see if you might enjoy it yeah i would too i i think it's it's uh like we were saying earlier it's kind of a good session game if you're you know, you want some you want some mental challenge, but you're not looking to be like really, you know, bogged down and 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 like stressing out about a million different things at once. Um, I know I like that and a lot of listeners of the show probably like that because my brain is broken. But sometimes I just want something that's more at my own pace. I can I can kind of just fiddle around with it. I can be done with it in an hour or so. Yeah, and there's very little yeah. like risk playing this game. You're like, oh, yeah. I screwed up real bad. I guess I'll just yeah. start a new one. I didn't I didn't lose, you know, eight hours of U4 Iron Man or what have you. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think that's a really important part. Uh, because it it doesn't feel like you still you still get this kind of um strategy experience without having to be like, okay, I'm on hour 20 or 40 or a hundred of my uh grand strategy game and now something really interesting is happening but if i screw this up then oh i'm you know i'm burning a lot of hours yeah if you're like okay i'm kind of drunk and i want to play a video game (laughs) oh shit all the video games i'm playing are complicated grand strategy games and city builders and i don't want to fuck that up you just open slipways I think you're just describing my entire life. I'm kind of drunk and I want to play a video game. That's <laughs> well, that's how that's we got into this mess, Lynn. That's <laughs> exactly. how we ended up where we exactly. are. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's Slipways. Check it out if you want to draw straight lines and colonize space and uh, uh, bounce things around at cool angles and maybe maybe transcend reality a little bit. Um Three Moves Ahead is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can check us out there and join the discussion on the forums at idlethumbs.net slash 3MA. We are also supported by listeners just like you. Uh, If you would like to become a patron of this fine uh, establishment of podcasting, you can go to patreon.com slash 3MA. And our social media on Twitter is at 3MA. Easy to remember. Uh, Good stuff. We will be back next week with another episode. But for now, for John and for Mike, this is Lynn saying good night. Also, this episode was produced by me. Have a good one. See you later. (laughs)